Today, we're examining one of America's oldest stains. Chrissy Chan, the American-born daughter of Chinese immigrants, she'd always taken her American identity for granted. Until the day her parents decided to move to a new town. When I was a kid, I grew up in a rural suburban part of Virginia, and my parents were Chinese immigrants, and we moved there because my parents found their dream home. In, uh, in Chinese culture, it's really important to be able to own the home that you live in, and they found this town full of little houses around lots of farmland, and everywhere they looked, there were these bright, patriotic-looking flags, and I think they must have just seen this town and thought, what a dream come true. So we ended up moving to this town when I was seven, and it was very hard to adjust to that town because we were told in many ways that we were unwelcome. We also realized that these bright, cheerful flags that we thought looked so patriotic were actually Confederate flags. And my parents did not speak English, so one of my jobs was to be the translator of the family. Day-to-day things were actually pretty difficult, like going to the store, you know, you're constantly being confronted. One question that we were constantly being asked was people would just stop us on the street and say, what are you? I think I always considered myself American. It never occurred to me that I wasn't. And when we were accused of not belonging there, I think I was just very confused. Like, I didn't know how to respond. And it was just constant confrontation. And all the while, my parents weren't really that worried because I think when you don't speak the language in a strange way, it protects you from things that you're better off not knowing. One of the things that started happening right away when we moved to this town was that a lot of the local church groups started soliciting and knocking on the door and saying, hey, you're new to town, why don't you guys join our church? And it was a very sort of aggressive soliciting. Um, And around the same time, we started getting these letters in the mail. And the letters looked very formal, and they had crosses on them, so we thought they were from a church. And the top of the letter always had the words Ku Klux Klan. The first letter that we got, I recall them saying that this community was for white Christians, and non-white Christians were not welcome. So once these letters started coming, I was trying to translate them for my mother, and they were actually pretty difficult to translate, as you can imagine, because um, Ku Klux Klan is not a word that you say a lot when you're seven or eight, and even the words white supremacist are not words that you use. Um, But nonetheless, I would do my best to try to translate these letters. I knew that they didn't like us, but I didn't know the history of the Ku Klux Klan. I was especially curious about the fact that these letters were sometimes signed by someone called the Wizard. But because the letters kept coming and I would say, oh, there's another one, at some point, you know, I think she just wanted me to keep myself busy. So my mom said something like, well, why don't you just write them back then? And at the same time, we were doing pen pals at school and kids were getting assigned other pen pals from other countries, you know, pen pals in Sweden, pen pals in Spain, and I thought, I have a wizard for a pen pal. And my letters would start off saying, Dear Wizard, we're really nice. Please be our friend. I tried to make the letters look as 
beautiful as possible and I would draw pictures on them. I put glitter on the letters sometimes. Stickers were big and kids were trading stickers and and I was saving my best stickers for, for the wizard. They really were done as though they were a gift to them. I just imagined that once they read my letters and were taken with them, that I'd soon be hanging out with a wizard, um, that we'd be eating pizza together, that we'd be, I don't know, riding bikes together, listening to Madonna together. There was one evening where both my parents were working late, and um, we'd always been instructed that when the kids were home by ourselves, you don't answer the door, you turn the lights out, and you pretend no one's home. And I can remember specifically, there were two occasions where we just heard a lot of people gathered on our porch, banging on the door. And it was the sound of sound of men, sound of voices. We just did what we were told. We um, turned the lights out. We got really quiet. We were giggling, and we thought it was hysterical that we were pretending that we weren't home. I started to suspect that everyone was in the Ku Klux Klan because their symbol was a cross, and as far as I knew, our town was full of crosses, and um, and people wore crosses, and so it did start to feel like, who is the KKK? Where are they? So the more we were trying to ignore the real world of what was going on, the more it made sense to try to get through to this wizard guy and get him to use his wand or whatever and say, hey, everybody, these people are great. I think sometimes people just get used to having you around. And it didn't hurt that my dad opened a restaurant. So this restaurant was a Hawaiian-themed restaurant. But it actually served Chinese food. You got laid when you got there and the chairs had palm trees on them. So it was, it was not subtle at all. It was very much, hey, we're Hawaiian, <laughs> parentheses, not from another country, don't worry, eat our food. And it was just such a hit, and people loved the restaurant that it helped us gain acceptance because we were the people that served that amazing Hawaiian food, which wasn't really Hawaiian food. And then, like most kids do, I made um, actual friends. So I didn't need this mysterious wizard anymore because I'm sending them what I think are these beautiful letters, and we were, we just kept getting these mean letters back. I think I, I started to notice that they never asked anything about me. Um, it was always about what they wanted, and when you send someone a sticker, they're supposed to send some back. The real kids were, more, were much more interesting. So at some point, the letters actually stopped coming. So for me, this meant that either the letters worked or that they had moved on to someone else. So whether or not a little bit of magical thinking was involved, I'll never know, but it didn't ever occur to us to move to another town and to not live here in in this country. Because what is more American than to make it work? Big thanks to Christy Chan for sharing her story on the snap. Anyone who can make friends with the KKK will always have a friend in snap judgment. Ah, ah. I mean, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The sound design for that piece was by Leon Morimoto. It was produced by Stephanie Fu. Now, when Snap Judgment, the Clan episode continues, somebody is locked and loaded. 
and a hint, it ain't the good rabbi. All this and so much more in just a moment. Stay tuned. The clock, she is ticking. Don't let the clan win. Don't put on a hood and terrorize little girls. No, no. Instead, support Snap Judgment Storytelling at snapjudgment.org. All right? Snapjudgment.org.